You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Do you know, do you know this man? No, I don't believe I do. Is he related to me or anything? Should I no, know? No, he's, uh, he's related to me. In, in other words, where am I? Where are you? I think you're in Southern California. Is he the Correct. mayor? Of- this is the mayor of Los Angeles, there Eric Garcetti. And he's up for, uh, he's, he's, he's about to lose office in, in a, there's an election coming up and uh, he's, he's not running. He's going to not be mayor and he's nominated to be ambassador to India. This is my, this is my most crackpot scheme yet. Okay. Wait. You're nominating him to be ambassador. No, he is nominated. He's up oh, to be. Okay, that's and, not and, the crackpot scheme. But he's, what embroil- is- he's embroiled in a uh, scandal because an aide of his apparently uh, harassed both men and women, and with his knowledge and was indisciplined. So uh, he is, as we say, toast. You're holding up a piece of toast. I, we should say that for. Our- audio podcast listeners, because otherwise they would miss that dazzling visual effect. Folks, it's a piece of toast. It looks so lifelike. It's a, it's a real piece of toast. That's He's amazing. Toast. He's not going to be ambassador to India. Uh, so that will open up a new uh, a job for ambassador to India. Ambassador to India. Oh, Mickey, I am humbled job. and honored. I'm humbled and I know what you're about to say. No. I'm humbled and honored, but I cannot You're serve. completely wrong. There's oh. one administration official who in fact has Indian heritage, who's very well suited to be ambassador to India. And it would, it would compliment, there you go. And that would solve a a huge problem for the Democrats. And she'd be so flattered if you said, instead of being vice president of the United States, how about we send you (laughs) off to a country? That's the difficulty in my plan. (laughs) That's where my plan falls completely to the ground. But since the, since LBJ uh, convinced Justice Goldberg to leave a permanent lifetime seat in the Supreme Court for a temporary appointment as ambassador to the United Nations, anything is possible. Maybe you could work it out where she could be vice president and also be ambassador. What good would uh, that do? You just make it clear that uh, she wouldn't run again. Because this what time, would the logic be? That would be the deal. I don't know. You would no, I guess that wouldn't work. You would have to make her ambassador to India and uh and, and have her quit the vice and presidency. Get a new vice president, a do-nothing yeah. job for a serious job, giving her stature on the world stage as a global player. Mm-hmm. By the way, and, my my uh crusade to get Chris Murphy to run for president is picking up steam. I just want to report that. I'll be we'll be revisiting that periodically. Biden Biden had sabotaged Chris Murphy, Bob. What'd he do? I'm joking, but he gave up. He gave a speech. Chris Murphy's big thing is he is negotiating the gun control compromise, and it's a very delicate compromise. It's not completely trivial. Manchin is talking about raising the uh, the age to buy assault weapons to 21. That's not nothing. It's it's not almost a weapon ban, because, but it's, but, it's yeah. It's, but the problem, I mean, well, anyway, the whole assault anyway, weapons thing is a little bit of red herring. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but it's it's a it's a foot in the door, okay? And if it passes, then you could do other things. Uh, but Biden gave this big political speech where he talked about larger, grand, grander uh, ambitions and put the onus on Republicans, and he politicized it in a way that uh, I actually didn't think was that bad a speech. But all the commentators are saying uh, this makes it much more difficult for Republicans to get on board Chris Murphy's compromise. So Chris Murphy's compromise is more likely to fail now than it was before Biden gave his speech. So is does Murphy's compromise involve the uh, age 21 for assault weapons thing? He's ta- you know, Manchin, there, there are sort of two groups. There's the Murphy group, there's a Manchin group. At some point, they're going to merge. Manchin uh, said that he was open to the age 21 for assault weapons. So presumably Murphy isn't averse to it, right? If if you can get, uh, uh, you know, if, mm-hmm. if uh, anyway, so well, what I mean, is, man, do, do, he, he needs Republicans, not just 50 yeah. Democrats. He needs 10 Republicans. I mean, the, the trouble is that, you know, assault weapons, first of all, they're famously hard to define. Right. Secondly, 
they're not that different in many ways from just regular semi-automatic rifles. A lot of people think they're like machine guns or something. They're not. They're semi-automatic. You know, you just right. you don't right. have to reload each See? time you shoot, but you can just fire off successive rounds, and and just about any rifle will let you do that. It's right. a the question of magazine size. The thing that the thing that non-gun users or owners don't understand, the biggest thing they don't understand is practically all guns are semi-automatic guns. Right. The idea that you have to like reload the bullet in the chamber every time is that's that's very archaic. There are some, but there but so semi-automatic causes you know shivers of sure fear, but it's yeah. it basically a gun. Means it's a gun. I'm not sure that's what they think, or they think that that assault weapons are automatic. But anyway, both of those they things. Semi-automatic means it's like a machine gun. In fact, by the way, somebody, uh, a friend of mine, directed me something kind of terrifying. There's this Glock pistol that uh, there's just this little thing you you have to insert in it to make it automatic. It takes two about two minutes to do the operation, and you know it's part of the design. I mean. Uh, and, and in theory, you're supposed to have to undergo special licensing to be able to own an automatic weapon, I, I, which is alarming in itself. I don't think anybody other than law enforcement should have, have a, an automatic weapon in any event, but, um, but it was, it was amazing. I saw the YouTube of it and it's like, you, you put this tiny little thing in a, in a Glock pistol that you can get on the market and God knows how easy it is to, to move around tons of these tiny little things on the black market. Uh, and suddenly, it's an automatic. Uh, it's an automatic weapon. But I'm. There, I'm. There you go. I'm. Uh, 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 my position on on guns is is pretty much the same as Matt Iglesias's, I think, which is it's a compromise. It's a question of how much do you want to intrude on this device that's useful for personal safety versus how do you prevent these mass killings? And I'm coming around to the idea that the guys that do these killings really like assault rifles and. Even if they're hard to define, even if they don't really have many advantages over just a regular semi-automatic rifle, they like them, and uh, and and that's a good reason to restrict the sale. Uh, and uh, and so, restricting the sale to twenty-one seems reasonable. Banning Fine. them seems reasonable. But I, I just want to say that uh, I, you know, I I'm not an expert, but I'm pretty sure I could successfully make the argument that. If you compare banning assault rifles without limiting magazine size to not banning assault rifles, but just limiting magazine size, the latter would be much more effective in reducing the number of people killed. I, in, I, and the trouble is, it's just a red herring. People go, you know, so much energy is going into assault weapons ban. It doesn't really address the issue. And of course, gun control isn't the whole issue to begin with. Gun control itself is kind of nibbling around the edges, but you do what you can. And why wouldn't there be a black market in magazines? There would be, obviously. Well, there's a bad black market in anything you ban. I mean, why, right. why ban anything? Why ban, you know, heroin? And maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. But but of course, that's an issue. Um, but, uh, you know, most of these, some of these people are these, you know, kind of hapless people who, if they couldn't walk walk down to their their local gun shop and buy a gun they'd be you know they'd be at a loss i mean uh they're not super sophisticated sometimes they do it on impulse you know they they buy the we're gun talking short. about the people that turn into mass shooters or the vast majority of people who have guns and aren't mass shooters i'm talking about the people who who murder people yeah. um, i mean pro well, I, I don't know i haven't looked into this guy who uh in tulsa just killed his doctor because he had back pain after surgery uh, and killed several other people. But, you know, that category of people, I, you know what an interesting question is? All I is? know is he bought the gun that day. Did he? Well, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. A... That's what I mean. Who knows? Maybe yeah, that, that's, that is a perfect example where the impulse could have passed. I mean, he could have gotten the pain under control. A lot of things could have happened. That is a perfect example of where the black market would not have done the trick. Um, can I, while we're on this, can I just quickly say something I learned about the Uvalde shooting, which maybe everybody already knows, but in, in terms of uh, this question of how this happened, uh, how, why the police waited so long. So uh, apparently, sure. apparently, you know, whoever, whatever police officers in charge of a situation like that, there's a basic designation they need to make. Is it an active shooter situation 
or is it a barricaded shooter situation? Right. The cop in this case deemed it a barricaded shooter situation. I assume that makes it much less urgent because in the classic barricaded shooter situation, I think the idea is he's not shooting anybody now. It's just that he's holed up and we got to figure out how to, how to get him out. Well, of course, the problem with that is, first of all, a bunch of kids had been shot and were in the process of dying and couldn't be treated until you, you got the, you know, you got cops in there. But the other, the other strange thing is, you know, um, the Uvalde town police did not have jurisdiction. Technically, the jurisdiction was with the school district police force, which consists of six officers. So the officer in charge was one of them, apparently. I gather he made the designation of a barricaded shooter. And it could be he wasn't at the scene. I mean, I can imagine a situation where somebody calls him and they say, he says, and they say, and they just say there's a shooter in the school for all. I mean, maybe all the initial rounds were fired before any cops got there. So no cops had heard shots. And, and maybe this guy says over the phone, well, is he shooting? Are there any shots coming out of there? No, I haven't heard any shots. Well, call it a barricaded shooter. I mean, who knows what happened? Certainly, it was still a very long time while parents were, you know, pleading with them to do something and they did nothing. And you got to think, even if this was initially a call made by telephone, the guy would have showed up on the scene sooner or later. So it remains a little mysterious, but I now understand that part of the problem was just this, this technical call that was made and this strange jurisdictional setup where... It's sort of insane that the police wouldn't have free range to go anywhere. Well, that's it, what the, know, that's... The, the Texas state police guy who gave the big press conference said, look, cops are free to, you know, they have a certain amount of discretion. If you're just a patrolman and they're shooting, you are free to, you know, unless there's somebody, you know, maybe if there's a commanding officer holding you back, you don't. But he was saying just if you arrive on a scene like that, you don't have to wait for orders. But um, anyway, uh, the, um, it's weird. I, Uvalde happened like a couple of shootings ago. So, so it's, uh, it, no, it already major. seems like, did we talk about it this week or last week? I guess we didn't talk about it last week. A, a question the, I, I might want to talk about in the parrot room is, uh, I, I don't know if I have anything to say, but it's an interesting question is if you look at these three shootings, the, in, the Buffalo shooting, racially motivated, the Uvalde shooting, which wasn't, and then this weird Tulsa shooting. Are they fundamentally part of the same social pathology? I mean, leave gun control aside and just get back to the question of why there seem to be an inordinate number of people who want to kill large numbers of people. Um, are, are these, you know what I mean? Is like, is it the same thing that's wrong in our culture that is responsible for these seemingly diverse? Uh, I saw, an, uh, there was an article, I'd probably in the Atlantic that would attempted to find a common thread. Uh, I, did, I know nothing about the Tulsa shooter, so I can't generalize it. None of these kids seem to have fathers. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if this Tulsa guy was a kid. The um, what I want to say is that well, Murphy's. I don't, th bill I don't think so. Back, uh, back pain. I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, Murphy Murphy's bill does not just involve the assault weapons. It's it's a red flag and a enhanced background check bill. So it's not. It's you know it's it's very very mild, but it's it's a. Uh, it's some indication that they they want to just get something done as a as a sort of to show it can be done. The other thing is, of course, the Republicans would like the Republicans basically are, are mainly worried that Schumer will revive some form of Build Back Better in a negotiation with Manchin, uh, and it'll involve big tax increases on the rich, which they don't want, and uh, and mainly it will give Biden a win before the midterms. Uh, and uh, the the big thing the Democrats have to do is 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 if they don't act, the enhanced Obamacare subsidies are going to lapse. So Obamacare is going to be become just as expensive as as it was before, and it's going to be a big shock to people right before the midterms. So the longer the Republicans can tie up everybody in this gun control uh, you know negotiations, the less time Schumer has to cut a deal with Manchin. Uh, the, the Republicans are basically running out the clock, which I always thought was a ridiculous idea 
until we ran out the clock on immigration reforms. So um, uh, it can be done. The clock does run out. Uh, yeah. So the, it's not clear that uh, uh, it, it may be, you know, Biden supposedly doesn't think there's going to be a deal. That's why he gave the speech. I thought he tried to thread the needle between encouraging the negotiations and damning the Republicans. Uh, but it turns, you know, a lot of people think he shouldn't have damned the Republicans at all if he really wanted a deal. He, he may he may want to pull the plug on it quickly uh, in order to get to the, you know, get to his big, uh, get to a, his big deal with Manchin. The other thing, if you look at, if, you, if you're a worry ward like me and I want Biden to do badly in the midterms, I think he's bottomed too soon. I mean, he, it's hard to see him going, it's hard to see him going lower than he is now. And, and there's five months, what, till the election and plenty of time for him to rise a bit. I don't think it's <laughs> time for him to hold the house, but, but, you know, he could do a lot better than he's doing now. And, uh, it, with the, 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 uh, instruction of the filer faster principle is he has more time than you think. Well, he could do a lot better than he's doing now and still get shellacked, first of all. Right, Secondly, he's, he's heading it, for a super shellacking. Right. But the other thing is uh, he's been plateaued near the bottom for so long, I, it's just hard to hope for a V-shaped recovery, so to speak. And <laughs> that can't happen. Um, the uh, I... I I just think Democrats need to give up on him as as a, as a presidential candidate. I mean, I mean the midterms are the midterms, and that's one issue. And his his popularity figures into that. I understand, but I I think they just you know uh, need to pick Chris, Chris Murphy or somebody else. And remember where you heard the Chris Murphy thing first. Yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, I guess he's a better bet than Fetterman at this point. Well, he hasn't had a stroke that we he hasn't know had of. A stroke, and 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 apparently Fetterman is not doing as well as one would hope. Uh, his doctors still want him to rest. He says he'll be ready in time, but there are all sorts of grave doubts. The Democrats have a long time; they could replace him in September. Is he still saying it wasn't a stroke? I think he's still no. He said it was a stroke. He said it was a stroke caused by AFib. Oh, and and oh. people think it was a stroke caused by something deeper, some deeper oh. heart problem, uh, uh, and uh, which might cast doubt on his ability to, you know, carry out his term. Apparently, AFib is a lot not nearly as big a deal as, as mm -hmm. this other thing. So okay. um, he's fudging that, and uh, Democrats are starting to get very worried. It's too bad he was a good candidate. Uh, yeah, that always surprised me. He seemed seemed kind of odd, but but I'm happy for him to be a good candidate. Um, I have a question uh, about Biden. Did you read this Michael Powell piece in the New York Times on trans uh, athletes in college? I didn't. You, I know, I saw that you recommended it, but I didn't read and it. I thought it was good. But but there's uh, this line that uh, I think, if I'm right, he's saying that uh, the Biden administration says transgender girls should be permitted on girls' sports team teams. That's an official position of the Biden administration? I think so, yes. I just, I wonder about the politics of that. I mean, it's an interesting, I, I, I can imagine Republicans in a general election using that to great effect. And I, I don't know, maybe it's true that in terms of intra-party politics, Biden needs to to go there, but I just got to think among a large majority of the population, this is a losing position. I, I haven't seen any polling. It's just, it's just, uh, and I'm not even passing judgment on the issue myself. I'm just, as I understand human beings and human parents of female athletes and things like that, um, this is just a, a loser. I, I, I agree. The, um, uh, the, the Republicans are discovering that beating up on the trans, uh, be that uh, making a big deal of the trans issue is working for them. It, it 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 rouses the base, and I guess the Democrats' best hope is that the Republicans will go overboard, which is very easy in terms of trashing trans people, and that it will cause a compassionate backlash. Uh, but you know, it's insane. For it, 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 it was this is that's the story of the Biden administration, which is. You know, Biden just does what the interest group want him to do. I mean, uh, and uh, and he doesn't. There seems to be no check on. Uh, the, the, no, he has no control 
in order to perfectly want to exercise control over what his administration does. I mean, there's always it's always hard to control your administration. The example I've used before is the Mitt Romney administration in Massachusetts handing out a brochure saying it's fun to play with P. Well, I don't think that was exactly from Romney's Mormon directives. It was just the bureaucracy doing what the bureaucracy is going to do, which is go to the left. Uh, so uh, you know that's what's happening here. But I have a unified Biden theory that it, I think will expand to incorporate this issue. Not quite. It's, what, it's, what is it's, this unified It's in part Biden? inspired by a very good article by Bill Scher, former blogging heads, current blogging heads. Uh, in some sense, yes. Yeah, certainly uh, to, be, guy, to be found on the DMZ show. In Washington, in the Washington Monthly, say, which is becoming a very important magazine now that every other magazine has become a uh, unreadable well, partisan well, screed. Well, Paul Paul Glasser, uh, the editor, is very smart, very good. Uh, but he's been he's been very good for forty years, and now I think the Washington Monthly is coming in for a second, uh, or third, or fourth, or fifth rebirth. Bill is also very good and incredibly knowledgeable about right. he, uh, American political he, history. He, he wrote a very good article about how the the Biden people came in with this idea that. Obama had been too soft. He hadn't gone big enough on the stimulus. He tried to compromise with Republicans. Uh, they weren't going to make that mistake, Bob. They were going to go big and do it just with Democrats. And, uh, you know, the results has been a disaster. Uh, in fact, if you look at, if you could, you know, Obama, you know, Biden said, I'm worried, you know, I know that Obama is jealous of my accomplishments. Well, Sher goes through and compares Obama's accomplishments which are substantial, starting with Obamacare, uh, the stimulus, uh, uh, comparing, comparing them to Biden's, there's no, there's no comparison. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, he, he, his, his, his mistake was going big. And, and, and there, it, you can sort of make that more, make a, a little more nuanced. It, there's a, there's, there's uh, apparently blackouts coming this summer. Because Biden is pursuing, he's going big on decarbonization. He's pursuing uh, the phasing out of fossil fuels a little faster than the industry can handle. They, 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 everybody's agreed they're going, fossil fuels are on the way out, but they just don't have enough capacity to get rid of them as fast as Biden is getting rid of them. And the result is going to be right before the election, people are going to lose their power. Okay, there's a vote getter. But is so, it isn't the, this the kind of fear that the industry would exaggerate? Yes, yes. And, and aren't you falling prey to this propaganda? I worry about that, but uh, but uh, but sometimes the industry is right. The industry was worried about a baby formula shortage too, and sure enough, there was a baby formula shortage, uh, which is getting worse, not better. So um, uh, the you know I but I, the the paradigm and if 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 he's being conned by the industry if I'm being conned by the industry then this doesn't fit the paradigm but the paradigm is Biden goes big pursuing some long held democratic value he's warned by centrists that this will be a disaster it runs up against the reality that it is a disaster and this has happened on. Inflation, it's happened on immigration, it's happened on crime, uh, it will happen on power, maybe. Uh, and then the Biden says, oh, it's been a disaster, but we only did it for good reasons. I mean, Cecilia Rouse, of the, the, one of the top economists in the, in the administration, said, well, we had inflation, but you know, if, if, if that's what it took to, to help people at the bottom cope with modern life, then yes, we caused inflation. And Ezra Klein said, oh, but we had, you know, he's now come around to the view that it did cause inflation, but he said it did all these things that we were longing to do for so long. I mean, they it, it's a case of good intentions running against reality, against the warnings of centrists, being a disaster. That's happened on virtually every major issue domestically. And it happens on Ukraine, too. People are warning centrists. Of the, Chris Caldwell had a great article in the New York Times this week. They, he, Biden was warned by centrists not to get so in heavily involved in Ukraine, but he did the thing his gut told him to do and the blob, and, and it, it could still be easily be a disaster. Well, uh, could be. Um, I mean, I haven't read the Chris 
Caldwell piece. I oh, heard about it. It's it's it's. So it's, what does the disaster Caldwell anticipate? It's a though exactly. of your mind. Um. What what well what what disaster does he anticipate? You mean? I think he anticipates us being drawn into a war. I don't think he anticipates. Uh, he he's at the line the line between. Uh, oh, we just help out our ally, and uh, and uh, actually getting involved in a war is is very porous and gray. I mean, now we're, we're we're conducting offensive cyber operations against Russia. That's more than just you know giving Ukraine the tools with which to fight. I mean, we're fighting for them on their side. Uh, so it's that's uh, interesting. I didn't know. Are we conducting offensive cyber operations? Yeah, they admitted that this week. Yeah, I've uh, been uh, trying to stay relatively. I, I've been trying to say less immersed in uh, Ukraine. This is my second straight week without uh, consulting the uh, my Ukraine list on Twitter. But uh, it does. Well, I mean, first of all, it seems like the, the mainstream media has now fully come around to a narrative shift, right? It's like now the emphasis is on Ukraine is on their heels, tons of casualties. Uh, it's It's about 180 degrees from where it was two, three weeks ago. Right, but they're they're still they're anticipating the next shift, which is uh, the Russian offensive runs out of gas and Ukraine gets our weapons and they strike back. Yeah, well, they, you know, they uh, we we've gotten this ag agreement from them that they won't use these new uh, rockets to attack Russia. We didn't give them the ones that would most terrify Russia, which can go like 180 miles instead of 40. Um, but I didn't know uh, that. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're the same basic rocket, but they're they're much scarier to Russia. I, I wonder if Biden is using the threat of those as any kind of uh, you never know what's being signaled to the Russians behind the scenes, if anything. But, you know, I, from a strictly game theory point of view, you might be tempted as long as you've got Russia's attention with these with the rockets we are sending to say, you know, we have no plans to to, um, to send the ones that go 180 miles. Of course, if Russia went for Odessa or made another play for Kiev or, or Kharkiv, we might reconsider, you know, uh, I mean, it, it is real leverage in principle, if you assume it's not such leverage that Putin would there's, totally there, go around the bend, there, which would be bad. Well, well, there's not a little gizmo that can be inserted in the rocket to turn it from a 40-mile rocket to an 180 mile rocket. I'm not rocket. even sure it's the same launchers. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not um, clear on that, but it's the same It's the same kind of thing. It's precision guided and uh, it's apparently better than I what mean, the Russians have. Why isn't, why isn't Putin going crazy already? He's supposed to trust Zelensky's promise to Biden that he won't use them against Russia? I mean, I don't think we, we, we wouldn't take that as a, we wouldn't go to the bank with that if, if, if it was the shoe was on the other foot. Well, he is making a lot of noise and, you know, other people in the Russian Overton window defining realm, which is to say kind of on state TV, are saying, OK, this is it. It's now us versus NATO. And they're they're saying pretty extreme things. But I mean, what what what's he going to do? Do you think he's going to attack NATO over this? I mean, he, he, he really, you know, again, well, I, I think he's going to do he's going to do whatever Biden was worried that he's going to do if he gives them the 180 mile ones. Well. No, he he would do that if he if they got the 180 miles, maybe. I think well, he, what would he do? He would, I don't know. Well, I, I think if he sees a real existential threat to his regime, as I've said, like uh, being pushed back beyond or even to the February 24th borders, uh, then you might see very extreme behavior because he might fear that he cannot survive that politically at home. Then then you could see a lot of horrible things. And that's why I don't think it's it's, realistic to even push back to the February 24th borders. I will say, um, if you want to imagine a scenario where the fighting stops fairly soon, here it is, okay? So Russia has got almost all of Luhansk. I mean, they're not proceeding all that swiftly, but they. it sounds like Ukraine has more or less conceded this, this city of Severodonetsk, and there's and then there's a sister city to it that they have, I think they've maybe kind of fallen back to. Uh, and by the way, I mean, fortunately so far, their escape route has not been cut off by Russia, it looks like. And so, and, and it does sound like uh, a retreat 
may already be in process. And in, in any event, that seems like what's in the offing. But anyway, once Russia has Luhansk, then there's one more of the two provinces to go. And I've got to think, if, if the Russian forces are nearly as depleted as they say, and especially if Putin is aware that they're going to get these new rockets in about three to four weeks, that's when Ukrainians will be trained to use them. Um, if in the course of that period, he took all of Donetsk, which may be a big ask, but if he did, I'm pretty sure he'd be ready to at least stop and talk. And 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 I think, but I think it would be easier politically for Ukraine to do that if they have a recent victory under their belt and it doesn't look like they're just on their heels. And the obvious candidate for that is Kherson, the one city where Russians have a presence on the west side of, of the of the Dnieper River. Um, and they're you know, making some kind of counterattack there, the Ukrainians. I, I think if, if you're if you're hoping for the fighting to end within a few weeks, the 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 one semi-plausible scenario is yeah. as the Russians are taking Donetsk, the Ukrainians are pushing the Russians out of Kherson and back across the river. I think if those two things happen to align, you'd have a pretty good chance for at least a temporary ceasefire. If it's what you say, I love it. Yeah, well, it would it probably won't work out. But it, like it, that, but. But, it, but it is it is true that this is a relatively optimistic moment compared with what it would be like if Russia had no victories at all. Uh, and you know, I, I this is a cynical view, but it seems to me Russia needed to take a chunk of territory in order to be able to stop the war, credibly. Yeah, well, I think uh, Putin feels he needs, at a minimum, those two provinces that he said from the beginning were central to this. He has that in addition yeah. to a land bridge. And, and and uh, you know, as Zelensky pointed out, the Russians have about 20% of, of yeah. Ukraine right now. That's a lot. Yeah. A point Caldwell makes that I didn't quite believe. He 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 points out he points out the the, the you know how we sponsored a revolution in the Maidan and you know, blah blah. He, he makes a makes a big deal of that, and then he says, "Well, and then Russia took Crimea, and and most of the West sort of said, well, Crimea it's a historic Russian port. Of course, they're going to take Crimea. They speak Russian. We're not, but, but the, the U.S. actually took seriously the horrible affront, and we need to take back Crimea, uh, and that this was a, a a major way where we were at fault." Uh, I didn't well, realize well, wait, that, said, I didn't realize saying, that we had, we had really actually took seriously the idea that Russia was ever going to give back Crimea. I'm not aware that many people did. Uh, you know, that's main. You know, mainly come under discussion since the invasion, at least in a prominent way. No, I mean it, it isn't oh. just an historic port. I mean, historically, it was it was part of Russia, but right. But but it also is the home of the. Uh, very important naval base that is, I think, the headquarters of the Black Sea Fleet. And Russia was not implausibly concerned after the revolution, coup, whatever you want to call it, in 2014, that their rights to a long-term lease of that base were imperiled. You know, it, it, once when the Soviet Union broke up, they did a lease deal with Ukraine, long-term lease, uh, like, I don't know, 99 years or something. But there were, uh, for that, that Navy base, which is which is they consider extremely important. But after 2014, I think there were even Ukrainian politicians talking about taking that away from them. And in any event, Putin saw 2014 as a U.S.-backed coup and Ukraine's on NATO's membership list. And so it's just not, I think we should have anticipated that uh, he could well go into Crimea. Everyone was shocked and I certainly wasn't expecting it. I wasn't paying much attention, but in retrospect, it's not that surprising, right? I just, I just, I Obama kept bringing up Crimea, and, and I, that was really annoying because how could anybody take this seriously that this was our big beef against Putin? But um, Caldwell implies that it wasn't hollow rhetoric. That actually, I, I don't know in what sense it wasn't hollow rhetoric, but uh, maybe he's just making a rhetorical point. Um, well, there the, were a the lot key, of hawks in, you know, there were Russia hawks in Obama's administration. McFaul yeah, was, well, right. McFaul, McFaul left, I think, shortly, right as that stuff was happening, yeah. but uh, the, right before Crimea, probably. The but, key sentence in, in 
in Caldwell's piece, which could have been written by you, I think, uh, he's quoting somebody named Mr. Guayano. Guayano? Guayano. To make concessions to Russia would be submitting to aggression. To make none would be submitting to insanity. Does he mean bef- now or before the invasion? Now. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, you, you just can't push them out of everything. You, you know, that that's, that is crazy, yes. You can't, you uh, can't get them out of Crimea and so on. Uh, anyway, so maybe Biden is playing it smart by, he at least has some leverage to hold over Putin if Putin decides not to stop and talk. You mean these longer range missiles? Yeah, yeah. I think in theory he does. And the question is, the game theory question is, should he deliver the message publicly, which in a way gives it more credibility? I mean, in a, in a, in a kind of, you know, oblique way publicly uh, or or privately uh, or what. But I don't know what privately, they're thinking. What? Privately, privately, you don't want to humiliate Putin so that if he agrees, well, he's knuckling under to our pressure. Well, public always has an upside and a downside. You just listed the downside. The upside is that because you have said it in public, it lends credibility to the threat. It's going to be harder for you to back down, and the other guy knows that. So those are the there's two always, sides. It's I, always, I have no view. It's, there's, it's always possible for Biden to back down. He's Biden. I don't know. I, uh, well, let's see. What is he? Is he a big backer downer? What's he back down? Yeah, well, he just said Saudi Arabia was going to be a pariah state, and he's jetting there to suck up to MBS in a month or two. Although that's that was in the category of campaign pledges, and and I think politicians are pretty casual about those. But yeah, it's a bad look, uh, you know. And and it and it's. As I noted, actually, in today's non-zero newsletter, which is back in action after a one-month hiatus, it left me tanned, rested, ready. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy watching you deteriorate every week as you get back to and work. And taking advantage of, of, of it as you get me to say things, if I especially can. in the parrot room, that I regret. You seem in a good mood today. It's going to be hard to troll you. Uh, uh, yeah. Not uh, that I won't try. And not that you won't succeed. But uh, no, the point was just that, like, this is eerily reminiscent of the Cold War in this. Okay, so what's going on here is Biden is we've got this proxy war with Russia in Ukraine, whose rationale is to some pretty large extent that it's part of the war for freedom against uh, tyranny and autocracy and authoritarianism. I mean, that's a lot of the framing of this war. And because of that, we have the oil sanctions on Russia. But to alleviate the political pressure created by the oil sanctions, we have to suck up to this authoritarian autocrat. It's just very reminiscent of the first Cold War when what we claimed was a global war for freedom led us to support and even install all kinds of brutal dictators. And this is one of the downsides of engaging in a global war against autocracy. Um, It winds up being bullshit. As you know, I think... I think fondly of the Cold War years. Gene Kirkpatrick, where are you? Yeah, the but, Andy um, Griffith show. It was a great time, but... Uh, but uh, but I was shocked that... Um, I, I, for, I, w- I was... Re- for, for, for reasons we'll get to, I was uh, listening to an old Virginia Heffernan podcast with Frank Four about the reaction to his piece inferring that Trump had a insidious relationship with this bank, Russian bank, the Alpha Bank, mm-hmm. before the election, and how the left reacted violently against it because the left was convinced that Hillary Clinton wanted to start a Cold War with Russia and that this was part of her insidious blob-like agenda. And these were not leftists who had no power. This is Bernie Sanders. This is uh, These were people who actually... Bernie knocked, Sanders said that? The Bernie Sanders camp. Bernie Sanders knocked, knocked the... Well, he had some real lefties. I mean, you know, his foreign policy advisor, Matt Duss, wrote a piece in the New Republic just now saying that uh, the proper left-wing position is to support arming Ukraine. I'm actually going to have Matt on my but I, show in a week. I just didn't realize about, the extent to which Hillary Clinton promoting a new Cold War was a thing on the left. It was a thing on the left. Oh, on the left, left, Absolutely. Um, on the left, left. I mean, you know, it, it it's all uh, 
I mean, uh, Matt was framing his piece against the left left, which which doesn't want to right. arm Ukraine at all, partly because it's all this whole proxy war is part of right. an imperial project. Um, but yeah, Hillary is, has been considered a neocon on the left. You know, not without some supporting evidence. Yeah, no, I, I just, I'd forgotten that. There's, there's some, yeah. in, in some well, insidious role played by Tad Devine. And I forget, I forget. Some, who, is, who is that guy? He's in my Twitter feed. Really? Tad Devine is a, is a longtime Democratic consultant. I remember him at the 1988 convention saying that he boasting that he was the guy who gave the order to turn the lights up on Clinton when Clinton was droning on and on with his speech. Um, oh, and the one uh, where when Clinton was governor and when he said in yes, conclusion, people yeah, applauded. Yes. Uh, uh, I, I, maybe he was joking, but um, he's, he was an, he's an important Democratic political consultant who somehow was involved in, in if, if Virginia Heffernan hates him, he must have been somehow involved in a pro-Russia sort of oligarch-like thing. I don't know. Anyway. I mean, what I remember about the uh, the Hillary Frank Four stuff is that the resistance, not to be confused with the left-left, just totally glommed onto it, of course. And, 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 that, and that is part of what made a subsequent Cold War more likely. The way, not the left-left, but liberals became more anti-Russia. Okay. Uh, this is a big topic. Do you want to get into it now or later? We could. Why don't we? We've okay. been going on a while. Why don't we save it for the pair room? I mean, we should say that a couple of not unrelated things have happened. Uh, well, the main, the main related thing that happened is Michael Sussman got acquitted, which you were predicting wouldn't happen when we last spoke. Michael Sussman, being the Hillary, right, well, I, the Hillary camp lawyer who tried to sell the Alpha Bank story to the FBI and was accused of lying right. to them in claiming that he wasn't representing Hillary or anybody else. At and the, this was in, send, in taking this Alpha Bank story that Frank Four wrote right. about to the FBI. And right. I, I, my theory was, you know, these guys got convicted of technicalities all the time. That's lying to Congress. That's how Oliver North was convicted. You know, lying to the FBI is how a lot of people got convicted. Uh, I I'd failed to take into account a DC jury, very democratic. Uh, it was loaded with people who were like, were obviously not going to go for this. Uh, and, uh, and, and B, you know, Sussman, there was a, you know, being in the Republican cocoon, I maybe have missed the sense in which a Sussman could have, uh, you know, he could have figured, well, Hillary doesn't really want me to go to the FBI. Hillary wants to get journalists like Frank Ford to write about this. Uh, but fuck it, I'm going to the FBI. So in, in, in there was some evidence for that. And so in that sense, he really wasn't representing the Hillary campaign. He really was doing on his own accord. He was sort of going AWOL. Uh, uh, and, uh, th you know, that would raise a reasonable doubt as to whether he was guilty or uh, not. I think the that's second kind thing of is whether the jury would, a reasonable jury would just say, hey, this is ticky-tack. He really did think Trump was a security threat. And if he lies a little to get to the FBI, fuck it, that's no reason to prosecute him. Which I, certainly the foreman of the jury said that's what she thought, or he thought. Huh. Um, well, so. I was going to uh, run by you. I can do it in the pair room. The Ben Wittes defense of Sussman, which is, I think, more like the first that is of the your ben theories. That right. is the Ben Wittes defense of Sussman. The uh, first, the, the, uh, yeah. I just, anyway, I'm happy to talk about this at length. There's more to talk about. I was wrong in, in my in, impulse that he would be convicted. Obviously, they wanted to turn him, put some pressure on him, and then use him, you know, classic prosecutorial fashion to get some more information on other people. They, they are good. They're going to try this weird Russian guy who was behind the dossier. I think it's Danchenko. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, the, the guy who was introduced to steal by Fiona Hill, who seems to be the source of all evil in the modern world. Who was uh, at Brookings, I think, when she introduced him, which in turn brings Strobe Talbot into the into the picture. How far back can we go with this? Strobe Talbot's heavily involved, apparently. The um uh and Cody Shear, who's uh who is uh an old Clinton uh operative, sort of he's like if you think Sid Blumenthal isn't conspiratorial enough, 
Cody Shear is your man. Um, and uh, he was, you know, he's the brother of Talbot's late wife. So oh. uh, I, I, um, hmm. I, I was actually at an event where Cody Shear was spinning his conspiracy theories, which are fabulously interesting. And, and Talbot's wife was like looking at him with disgust. <laughs> why are you so fucking crazy? The, the, the look said, why are you so crazy? Um, but um, anyway, so yes, Brookings, who knew? Yeah. I thought they were just a mild-mannered think tank. Yeah, I don't think Strobe Talbot would be involved in anything plainly nefarious or like in the sense of illegal, but uh, that, that's not the claim anyway, I guess. No, uh, the claim would be that he would be uh, very sensitive to the possibility that Trump would be cozy with Putin and he'd want to track that down as... As am I still. I I still yeah. think there's a mystery there. I still don't understand why Trump is so, was so mm. averse to saying anything publicly negative about Putin. Well, speaking of indictments, I just want to say how sorry I am that your friend Peter Navarro is in jail at this moment, Mickey. He's in jail? Yeah, he got arrested. He got indicted. And the FBI, mean, I, I think, took him to actual being jail. Arrested does not mean you're actually in jail. No, but I saw it reported. I, I assume it's accurate that they actually, you know, I don't know if they perp walked him, which would have been my own preference. But uh, I think he's, uh, let me see if it's, this has reached the times. No, of course. How, you know, how can you in, in a mere six hours get something online in the modern world? I don't see it. Uh uh, anyway, uh, no, I read that they actually put him in jail. Anyway, the, the thing is, what's he accused of? He, you know, he's, of course, his Trump advisor. He's not complying with the subpoena you for the. Oh, for the January 6th. The January yeah. 6th commission. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's the January 6th commission is going to stage these hearings next week. You know, it's obviously an attempt to revive Democratic hopes for the midterms, uh, which is sort of. Contrary to their, I mean, the whole thing is they're supposed to be investigating Trump and and the threat of Trump, and Trump isn't on the ballot. So obviously, no, they're not interested in the threat of Trump. They're interested in boosting Democrats. So, um, uh, I and they they were on the verge of actually getting some goods on Trump that sort of got dropped. Was it? Wasn't there some? And I forget what it was. There was something where Trump seemed to be egging on the rioters. Or privately rejoicing at the rioters, or there were some, they were actually on the verge of having some good. So it's not mm. clear that these hearings are going to be a total bust, the way the you know the previous Democratic hearings were. Um, anyway, I'm not uh, seeing in this Washington Post piece on it that he is in jail. Uh, so maybe he's not. I definitely read it, but it was on mere Twitter, so could be wrong. Um, Let's see what else. Oh, just yeah. Go ahead. No, do we have time to talk about more things here, or are we at the stage where we? Tease I want to say. I, I want to say one thing. We're getting to wrap it up stage, I think. But but I want to say, you know, as you know, Mickey, last several weeks in the in the parrot room, I've been discussing this uh, WNYC podcast about a murder that happened not far, you know, my a few miles from my house, uh, involving. Uh, Prominent New Jersey political figures, first deemed a murder-suicide, now increasingly looks more like a hit job. Um, and uh, finally, I mean, this happened in 2014. And finally, the New Jersey Attorney General's office said this week that they are reopening the investigation into the murder. So, Mickey, once again, the parrot room gets results, you know. You got two veteran journalists like you and me, and we really put our minds hey. to something, and we get things done. And hey. I just want to put our take my hat off to us. From, from, you heard it first from me two hours before everybody else said the same thing, which is that Peter Thiel is on the verge of having two senators. Actually, uh, before you, by the time you emailed me with the news that the New Jersey Attorney General had done this, I had literally heard it on the podcast. Uh, that's how. That's yeah. how. That's how I was. There, there's, there are two sort of earnest, important topics that maybe I could bring up to save the sexy, unimportant topics for the paradigm. Uh, in the pandemic, it turns out that the Omicron virus is deadlier among old people. 
I was shocked. I was frankly shocked by that. Uh, Wait, deadlier but, than alternative viruses, or deadlier, deadlier, deadlier than Delta, which was the previous, the big, the big deadly wave? It's killing more old people. It's not deadlier among the population at large. But the theory is that because old people, their immunity is waning, the booster campaign is failing, uh, that their death rate is actually almost as high as it was, uh, higher than it was under Delta. Well, uh, and vaccine, as an over 65, yeah. I found that troubling. The vaccine was built for Delta. You know, it, it was not as effective against Delta. But, but, but that's, the, I don't, I, that's a good point that they didn't make. They didn't make that point. They made the point that Biden administration, it's another Biden administration fuck up. The, the, the campaign both to get the old people to take the booster is, is in chaos. No, you know, no, they're, they're, it's not working. It's stalled. My doctor actually advised me not to take the booster. Did he? Well, you, have, these, my, you have a bizarrely high antibody level. I had a high antibody level. It might mean I have already had the virus or it might mean uh, that for some reason the last booster worked. Um, but, uh, in general with the people who maybe need it, it's, it's not easy to get the booster the way it was easy to get vaccinated. And the second thing is there's this antiviral, which Gavin Newsom boasted about. Thank God for the antivirals. Well, it's easy for Gavin Newsom to get the antiviral. Apparently it's not that easy for ordinary Americans to get the antiviral. So, uh, two, two more fuck ups by Biden. We got the baby formula. We got, uh, you know, we got the, the he, you know, he's elected to stop the stop the pandemic. Okay, he's fucking up with the pandemic, possible fuck up with blackouts. Um, it's a litany <laughs> of failure, Bob. Let's don't get ahead of the game. Let's wait till a blackout happens to blame it on him. Okay. Uh, how about the? Uh, uh, how about so, crime? Could we blame him for crime? Sort of. Not um, really a federal issue, but anyway. A lot going on there. Uh, I mean, it started before he was president, right? Uh, the uptick. By the way, as far as, you know, some good news for him, I think, is this Wall Street Journal headline from today. Exactly what you want to hear if you want a, a soft landing that keeps inflation at bay. The headline is, economy extends hiring streak, comma, with hint of a cooling. Yeah, no, that was want. very Goldilocks. -y. Goldilocks. Um. Uh, I agree. Uh, that was uh, that seemed good. Um, the, the, I mean, the, the problem is that you know it's in part because of Biden that we're in this dilemma where we're hoping for a Goldilocks. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, he had the misfortune. He did a stimulus like Trump, and had the misfortune that his immediately preceded <laughs> spike in inflation, but. Um, well, the idea, I mean, but it goes to what Bill Sherrod says. It's worse than Bill Sherrod. That is, he was, you know, Trump's stimulus. That couldn't be enough because he's Trump and I'm the anti-Trump. So I have to have my own stimulus, okay? And by the time the stimulus passed, it was clear, for one thing, that all this money that they were sending to state and local governments was not needed and was just, you know, and so they could have cut that part out. It would have been less inflationary. But... uh but no, Nancy Pelosi wanted it. So Governor Newsom has so much money, he's sending checks around gratuitously to random Californians to try to spend the money that Pelosi sent him. Wait, what did I read about her husband? Is he in trouble? Yeah, he got arrested for DUI. Mm. Or he got book. He got charged with DUI. He he uh, ran into somebody. Didn't seem obvious that it was his fault, but I guess the cops took a blood test and. Yeah, it's, decided, I mean, it becomes, it's very, it's very yeah. easy to get over the limit now. What's the limit in California? I forget. It's so low that my friends like tell me don't don't even, or something. It's two drinks. It's basically two drinks. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, one of the things I admired about Kiefer Sutherland was uh, he got busted for DUI. He went to jail. I mean, it mm -hmm. wasn't his first time. He didn't kick up a fuss. He went to jail, served his time, and got back out. Mickey, the last Howard Johnson's in America has closed. Um, I know. I saw that. Did it make you sad? No, because no. I was never a Howard Johnson's person to yeah, begin but still, with. Still, you know what it represented, right? You can you can imagine being in one even if you've never been in one. Yeah, no, no, I I I, I lament the loss of what it represented. I've even been forced to eat a Burger King Whopper 
on the road and resulting in four days of uh, intestinal illness. Uh, I can say that I would have liked the Howard Johnsons, but I wouldn't have gone to Howard Johnsons in the pandemic anyway. So you have not made a firm causal link between the Burger King and your. I felt bad twenty minutes after I ate it, so there's a firm causal link in my soon. mind. That's probably too soon. The uh, I'm very sensitive, Bob. Speaking of libelous claims, well, we can talk about this in the pair room. But Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, uh, you know, we were our attention was was initially forced toward this case by somebody in the parrot room. So we I'm can talk, talk about, about that there. I'm ready to talk about that in the parrot room. Are we on the parrot room? I think so. We're, we're at pumping. like 50, 55 minutes. I think it's, I think we're 56 minutes. I think we're, we're heading toward the exit, okay. waving to well-wishers, okay. uh, encouraging I, them to follow us into the patreon.com slash parrot okay. room, begging I'm, them to follow us. I'm ready like to, I'm ready to talk about Depp Heard. I'm ready to talk about Frank Four and whether there is anything but to this Alpha Bank scandal. Bizarrely, the answer is not clearly no. Uh, we, I'm ready to talk about the uh, what's what's up with Tucker's son. There's some unnamed uh, scandal involving Tucker's son, which seems. Uh, I'm in general on his side, but uh, but I don't quite understand. Some, there's some some deal with Tucker's son that I don't quite understand. Um, we'll try we'll to get to the that. bottom of it in between now we'll, and we won't get to the bottom of it, but we'll 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 clarify the 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 weirdness of it. There's uh, Cheryl Sandberg leaving Facebook. Is she going to run for office? There is. A, pot, a, pot, a link between the possible replacement for John for Ron Klain, uh, uh, b- between her and Harvey Weinstein, that's not good. Uh, there's Ann Coulter starting a subsect to compete with us. Uh-oh. Uh oh, she charges money for it, Bob. But she and I target the Go- same demographic. This is going to oh, be well. this. This could get ugly. But she and I have a little overlap, Bob. You do. You should feel threatened, Mickey. I don't have a podcast. I'd be, oh, I guess I do have a podcast that charges money. Um, uh, uh, Ben's, uh, uh, Freddie DeBoer, a man of the moderate left, has been Ben Smith. We'll discuss what that means. Yeah, uh, I'm curious. I didn't know about that. He's been on my show. Uh, the other worthy topic that I didn't bring up is... In in uh, in Ellis's news items uh, uh, last week, it implied that there was an actual split brewing in the China hierarchy, Chinese hierarchy. There's a guy who's not Xi, but some other name. I think it's Li, who's running around saying, "Oh, we're friendly to business." What what Xi did was was too much, uh, you know. And and so there's a policy split, and they haven't swatted down this guy yet. So uh, it, it it might it might be a uh, important division brewing in the most important country in the world. If it's why you say I love it, you do love it. Are you for stability? What? Are you for stability? Well, I would like somebody uh, a little less hard line than Xi Jinping and somebody a little more willing to compromise for the sake of commercial uh, okay. relations. Okay. Uh, um, but um, we'll see. So, and, uh, is, and the, the yeah. other thing I had is, why are so many people saying they're non-binary? And should we straight male geezers be alarmed by this abrupt shift in the polls? Or should we just go with the flow? I mean, who knows? You and I could have a very interesting announcement in the pair room. Um, not this, not this week, though. It's something I would want to think about carefully. Um, you are wearing a plaid shirt that's sort of like the the guys in that horrible movie that I didn't like. <laughs> could you I be a little quit more you, Bob? specific? What was that what? movie? It didn't what? win the Academy Award. The one who goes, "I can't quit you." 
Oh, Brokeback Mountain? Brokeback Mountain. You're wearing a Brokeback Mountain shirt. Well, they're not non-binary. For God's sake, Mickey, don't embarrass yourself among the woke. Why aren't they non-binary? Non-binary doesn't just mean gay. Does it? Wait, yeah. Heath Ledger had sex with his wife and with Jake. So that's But you know, I think oh no, I'm gonna embarrass myself. To but I think non-binary is more subtle than that. I mean, I think, like, he would say, I'm a man, definitely, and sometimes I have sex with men, sometimes with women. I don't think that's non-binary. I think non-binary is saying I'm not just a man or just a woman. This, see, this is, this is why people like you and me at our age, we don't even have the cognitive capacity to process this stuff. This is subtle. It's subtle. That's an interesting point in, in, in which I... May have gotten it completely wrong, but uh, I may have. That's the yeah, thing. That, that's kids, what I'm saying. Think, Neither of us has kids, the brain cells to you figure think kids, this out. Kids these days think non-binary means uh, not just that I'm a little bit gay, but I'm a little bit trans. Kids these days think whatever they say about this is the truth, Mickey. They're the ones saying it. The question right. is what we when think they, and right. are we when wrong? They, when they say I'm non-binary, they mean I'm a little bit trans. I, I'm not even going to put words in their mouth except to say that I don't think non-binary means the same as uh, bisexual. And um, have at me if I'm wrong, folks. I, I'm doing my darndest to keep up with these darned kids. Um, well, that would be an important innovation. Uh, anyway, we can talk about this. <laughs> okay, uh, so aside from that, okay, in the pair room. I'm going to say a little more about dead end. There's there's actually a development beyond the the mere state attorney general investigating this uh, murder involving uh, some extremely uh, powerful folk in New Jersey politics. Um, I want to uh, I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Ukraine war uh, spin. Some might say propaganda. I want to bring the BBC. Uh, into this picture, uh, along with, of course, the Institute for Study of War, my my go-to propaganda source, and and the go-to source for the uh, New York Times, Washington Post, and and I noticed this week the Wall Street Journal. Sadly, I want to uh, mention a TV show I really like called Undone. Have you have you aware of this on Amazon? No, I'm still stuck on. Severance? severance, so I'm happy to switch from Severance to Undone. Mickey, God, there's no hope for you. I can see you not liking Station Eleven. I wasn't in love with that, but if you don't like Severance, did you see your friend Peter Blake, who knows Hollywood like you and I don't, was raving about Severance on Twitter? No, I didn't. Doesn't that make you ashamed for just not even getting it? Does. It does. It makes me feel not with it, but um, have you? You Severance is getting better. Severance is getting better. Oh, so you you have been watching it. I, I I progress one more episode. And the, you can the audience is not interested in my plotting progress through severance. I'm ready to switch to something else. No, but there is one question on their mind. Are you continuing to fall in love with Heli? Heli wasn't really in this last episode so much. But yes, of course. But she was in your heart, Mickey. She was in your heart. Now I was uh, I wanted more Heli. Who didn't want more Heli? Um Heli so Heli isn't playing as big a role in the show as her hotness would require. She's, um, she, I assume she plays a bigger role in the future. On balance, she plays a reasonably prominent role. Enough to keep guys like you watching, Mickey. Okay. Non-binary. I mean, non-non-binary. I've, um, I've, I've been having problems. Anyway, yes. Go ahead. That's fine. Uh, so we can say, maybe we'll talk a little about severance, but I like this undone thing. I'll say a little about it, encourage you to watch it. Uh, we're going to, okay. You mentioned we can talk about the Michael Sussman thing and the Ben Wittes take on it. Um, and the alpha bank, That's alpha bank. We're going to talk about these things. Let's see. Damn it. Is there anything it, else? Uh, why? By the way, I was on. Andrew Sullivan's podcast. Uh, if there's anybody who is not sufficiently familiar with my views on Ukraine, your ship has come in. You didn't uh, talk about trans issues? We did not. It, it, it dropped today. 
You, of course, were on his podcast many months ago. You were much higher on his list than I was. But, you know, I've reconciled myself to my he relatives. Knew, he family. knew I was easier to guess. No, 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 no. He, he didn't seem too nervous about whether I'd say yes. Uh, he's, he's sort of a, a go-to guy on trans issues. Um, oh, he has very clear views. Yes, that's what I meant. Um, so he's harder for the woke to take out. Oh, I don't. I honestly don't think they 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 probably consider him much of a challenge. I don't know, but I mean, from their point of view, they're they're, they're the ones who define taking out. But uh, uh, I, I don't I think don't they're know, intimidated. 60 minutes, Sixty minutes does a segment on him. I think they would rather have a world where these 60 people. Minutes. The woke have never heard of sixty minutes, Mickey. My God, Bob, that's there's the theme. The theme of this week is how out of touch we are. No, how out of touch you are. I keep explaining things to you about the woke. I, you weren't I mean, I, sure about this non-binary business, Bob. I, you didn't I'm have being the being of humble. confidence. Being humble. You have indifference of confidence. You're, well, you're the one with daughters, so. Correct. And they have explained some of this stuff to me. Okay. Most of which I've forgotten because of my age. Okay, so that's it. Uh, next up is pairroom.com. Um, I, think, I think we should start I mean, a uh, patreon.com slash pairroom. Yeah. You know, B- Biden Biden started, he came up with the, his pollsters came up with the idea that MAGA, MAGA polls so badly that you should accuse the, the Republicans of being ultra MAGA. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then according to a recent article, the, the lawyers in the White House said that that was too political. So you couldn't cabinet officials couldn't say ultra MAGA on, on taxpayer funded premises or use it oh. in, in work time. They, it was like, it was too politicized. So they, they couldn't say ultra MAGA, mm-hmm. but, I, but, and then, and then it didn't work anyway because the Trump people in, in, embraced it saying, yes, we are ultra MAGA. And they started offering a special funding tier for ultra MAGA people. So I think we should start a special tier for ultra parent, <laughs> ultra parent. I think maybe we should go with with ultra MAGA. You have you have certainly attracted a few of those to the uh, the audience in the parrot room. I think we should have both an ultra MAGA peer and an ultra parrot tier. I think we've soothed the waters, Bob. I think those people are now beloved members of the chastised parrot community. Okay, we will see you there. <laughs>